0: Good morning, church. Is God good? Yes, God is very good. Turn to the person next to you and say, praise God for God is good. Come, join me as I open in a word of prayer. Father, your word says that faith comes by hearing the word and the word of God. So Lord, as we open your word today, I thank you that you have given me a message to share with your people. And I pray that as we your word to us, God, that you will fill us with joy, you will fill us with life, and you will fill us with faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today we are going through the series, Knowing God, and my topic today is the glory of God. What a wonderful topic. You know, the word glory can only be attributed to the nature of God. That's all. Nothing more, nothing less. Just as human beings or mammals, we are flesh and blood. You wouldn't associate flesh and blood with mountains or trees or plants, but you will associate flesh and blood with human beings. So in the same way, the nature of God is glory. Where God is, there will naturally be glory, and where God is not, there will not be any glory. This morning, I want to show you the glory of God revealed in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and then beyond the Gospels. In the Old Testament, the glory of God was revealed through God the Father himself. God the Father revealed his glory through three aspects of God. The first aspect of God in the Old Testament that reveals the glory of God is the character of God. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses prayed to God and he says, Please show me your glory. And God agreed. And in Exodus 34, when God displayed his glory or revealed his glory to Moses, he didn't do it by taking Moses up to the stars and showing him the stars and his handiwork. No, he did it by speaking to Moses and revealing his character. Exodus 34, verse 6 to 7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, "'The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sins.'" Of all the ways that God could have revealed His glory to Moses, He chose to reveal it through His character. The second way or second aspect of God that reveals His glory in the Old Testament is His presence. Many times in the Bible, the presence of God in the Old Testament is described as a cloud or fire. Exodus 16 verse 10. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud." Exodus 24 verse 17, the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. The third aspect of God, that God reveals His glory in the Old Testament, is through His power, His power to do signs and wonders and miracles. Numbers 14 verse 22, because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness... And we know the Bible, we know that in the Old Testament, God did many signs and wonders, parting of the Red Sea, parting of the River Jordan, calling down fire from heaven, stopping the sun. He did so many miracles and all these two were part of him demonstrating or revealing his glory to the world. What I want to show you here is that God, when he demonstrated his power, it was him revealing his glory to the whole world, to his people as well as to those who did not belong to him. But when he revealed his presence, the cloud of, and the fire, he only revealed it to his people, the Israelites. And when he revealed his character, he only revealed it to Moses, who was called in the Bible, the friend of God. Now I want to move to the Gospels, the time when Jesus walked on earth. Would you agree with me that when Jesus walked on earth, the glory of God was revealed through Jesus? Hebrews one three says, Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. So Jesus is the express person who expresses in perfection the glory of God. Now I want you to imagine this. The glory of God fills all the heavens. The glory of God is so immense. If you and I climb to the highest mountain and look at the breathtaking view of the world, if we went to the deepest canyon, if we look at the biggest waterfall in the world, all these spectacular, breathtaking sights of nature, if we went to the outer space and look at the stars and the constellations and all the wonders of creation, all of that beauty and wonder combined together cannot even begin to compare to a fraction of the glory of God, the Creator. God, the Bible says he holds the universes in his hand. Not one universe, but the universes in one hand. Imagine that. Now, all that mind-blowing, incomprehensible glory of God, I want you to imagine all of that glory condensed, okay, shrunk, into a single human body. That is the life of Jesus. He is walking with so much glory, you almost feel if you poke him the wrong way, he's going to explode with glory, So much glory did Jesus have. And when out of all the body parts of Jesus, the one part that God told us to behold and to look is the face of Jesus. It says here in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. If all God wanted to do was show his power, he could have come and established a giant mountain, a big monument That would have shown power, but only a person can express the character of God. God didn't say, look at his arm, look at his leg. The limbs can represent power, but only the face of the person can show the kindness, the love, the gentleness, the mercy, the delight of God to us. Jesus was the perfect representation of the character of God. That's why he said, if you have known me, you had known the Father. When Jesus walked on earth, Jesus was also the perfect representation of the presence of God. It says here in Luke 4, 41, Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God. When Jesus walked on earth, He carried the very presence of God. The people around him could not sense it because they did not have the Holy Spirit and they could not sense spiritual presence. But the demons could. And when Jesus walked towards them, they saw the very glory of God coming towards them and they fled out of people shouting, you are the Son of God. In the Old Testament, God revealed himself, his presence as fire and cloud. But after Jesus comes, no more fire and cloud ever because now the presence of God is revealed through his Son, Jesus, the person of Jesus. And when we talk about the power of God, we also know the gospel. So many times, Jesus did mighty miracles. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. The power of God was abundant and fully displayed through Jesus. So Jesus, as the Son of God, He fully displayed the character, the presence, and the power of God. Now, I want to make it interactive here, and I'm going to give you a multiple choice question. (laughs) Out of... All the aspects of God that Jesus revealed, the character, the presence, and the power, which aspect of God did Jesus use as his main ministry to reach the unsaved world, the lost? you got four options. Option A, his character. Option B, his presence. Option C, his power. Option D, which we like a lot, all of the above. (laughs) How many of you say that the primary ministry of Jesus to reach the lost was his character? Raise your hand one hand? A few hands. How many of you say it was his presence? Raise your hand. A few more hands. How many of you say it was his power? Raise your hands. How many of you say D, all the above? (laughs) I'm sorry to disappoint you. The answer is actually C, it was the power of God. Let's go through scripture and look at it together. John 2 verse 11 The beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So his own disciples, when did they believe in Jesus? When they saw with their own eyes the manifest glory of God, which was signs and wonders. Let's move a little bit further down. Now in Luke 7, this is the dialogue between the messengers of John the Baptist and Jesus. When Jesus started his ministry, besides Jesus, the next most godly man on earth was John the Baptist. But even John the Baptist was not sure if Jesus was the one. So he sent messengers when he was in prison, he sent his messengers to ask Jesus, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Look at the proof that Jesus gave to his messengers to take back to John. Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So the very proof that Jesus gave to John the Baptist that he was the Messiah, he was the real deal, that proof was signs and wonders. Now look at when Jesus starts denouncing or rebuking the cities of men. In Matthew 11, Jesus says this, then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Corizon, Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performing you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloths and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to today." Jesus did not blame the cities of men for not recognizing his character or presence, but he blamed them for not believing and recognizing the miracles. Why is that? To know someone's character, you have to be close to the person. When Jesus was walking on earth, there were people who knew his character. It was his parents, it was his siblings, it was his disciples after they had spent some time with him. But the people, the non-believers, the lost, they did not know Jesus and he did not blame them for not knowing his character. The people at that time had not yet received the Holy Spirit. There was no way for them to know the spiritual presence and glory of God. So Jesus did not blame them for not knowing his presence. But the signs and miracles that anyone can see with their own eyes, that Jesus held them accountable for, for not believing in it. So the main ministry of Jesus to reach the lost Is the power of God, the manifest glory to do signs and wonders. Now I want to come to the time after Jesus, the rest of the New Testament until now. This is what we call the last days. In the last days, where is the glory of God revealed? In the last days, the glory of God is revealed through men and women who call upon the name of Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the first dispensation of God to the world was God the Father and the glory was revealed to God the Father. In the Gospels, the glory was revealed to Jesus the Son and in these last days, the glory is revealed to the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit does not have a physical body like Jesus. We are the bodies. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit and the glory of God is revealed through the lives of believers. Some people find this very hard to grapple with and they say, no, no, no. God is divine and God has glory. Men... Men cannot have glory, we are just flesh and blood. But you see in John 17 verse 22, Jesus himself said, and the glory which you gave me I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. So from the Bible, undeniably, men also can have glory because Jesus gave us glory. Now some people think, oh, that glory is when we die and we go to heaven. In heaven, we will have glory. But here on earth, we don't have glory. But in 2 Corinthians 3, 15 to 18, it says this, but even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord from the point of salvation, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. When does the Lord, when do we receive a deposit of the Holy Spirit? It's at the moment that we receive Jesus into our life. At the point of salvation, the veil is taken away and there is liberty, freedom. Freedom for what? But we all with unveiled face, freedom to behold as in the mirror the glory of the Lord being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, all the way in the beginning in Genesis, when God made all of creation... Only men did God made in his likeness and only men did God breathe his spirit into man. He didn't breathe his spirit into the elephants, the cows, the tigers, or the trees, or the sun and the moon. No, he breathed his spirit into man. From the very beginning, man was made a special and unique creation in God's likeness, as a container to hold God's very presence. And it's when we hold God's very presence that we have the glory of God in our lives. We ourselves, as flesh and blood, we have no glory, but when the Holy Spirit, God himself, comes into our life, then we have glory. And the Bible says here that we are transformed from glory to glory. So a man can have an increasing measure of God in his life. That is the mystery of the ages. Character- Presence and power all represent God's glory. I don't want us to think that one is greater than the other. Power is not greater than character. If anything, in the Bible, we see that character comes before power. Consider Moses. For the first 40 years of his life, Moses was an arrogant, hot-headed prince of Egypt. And then in the next 40 years of his life, God takes him out into the wilderness and begins to deal with his character. We know that God dealt with his character because in the last 40 years of his life, Moses is described as the most humble man on earth. It was only at 80 years of age after God had dealt with his character that God was able to use Moses. But when God used Moses, what did God, how did God use Moses? Did he say to Moses, Moses, go to the Pharaoh and talk about your character? Go and say, Pharaoh, you see, I'm such a humble man. See what God has done. Please let his people go. No, 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 no. God went with signs and wonders to show the power of God. Look at David, the shepherd boy. For many years, David was a nobody. He was in the, she- he was in the fields tending as a shepherd to the sheep. And during that time, God dealt with his character. We know that because when the prophet Samuel came to his father Jesse's house to choose the next king, Samuel wanted to choose his brothers who were taller, bigger, more handsome, more charismatic. But God said, I don't look at the outside, I look at the heart. So we know that God had dealt with the inside, the character of David. But after God had dealt with the character of David, the next chapter, David confronts Goliath. And does he confront Goliath with his character? And does he say, oh, Goliath, you are very angry. Let me play some music, let's come down together. No, 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 no. He swung, he swung a stone he brought a stone to a knife fight, and he, with one stone, he killed the giant, and then he chopped off his head, and he went on to do mighty exploits for God. Consider God's people, the Israelites. First time God brought them to the border to cross into the Promised Land, they refused to cross into the Promised Land. They were stubborn and rebellious, and so God said, fine, go and walk in the desert another 40 years, and during those 40 years, God dealt with their character. Literally, the stubbornness died out of his people. And then after that, God said, okay, now come into the promised land and they were obedient and they went. When their character had been dealt with, it was the presence of God that went before them and signs and wonders happened. They didn't go to Jericho and say, look, we are really obedient, nice people. Let's work together. Open your doors. Let's be friends. No, no, no. God did signs and wonders to tear down the walls of Jericho. Consider New Testament, Peter. Peter was a disciple of Jesus, but we know he was brash, he was hot-headed, he was arrogant. There were many character flaws in Peter. And Jesus dealt with the character of Peter over three years. But finally, when he had dealt with the character of Peter, did Peter go to the beggar at the temple gate called Beautiful and say to the beggar, Oh beggar, you are very poor thing and I'm a very nice guy now. Let me be your friend. Did he offer the beggar himself? No. He said, silver and gold I do not have. What I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand. And the man jumped up to his feet and danced into the temple court. Again and again, we see in the Bible the same pattern. God will deal with the character of the man so that he can pour out his power to the man. It starts with character, but it ends with power. Why is this so? Because God does not share his glory. God will never raise up another man. God the Father and the Holy Spirit who works and lives in us is not interested in glorifying any individual man. They are only interested to lift up and glorify one man and one ministry, and that is the name of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. In this world, there are two kingdoms. On one hand, you've got the kingdom of this, you got the kingdom of God, which has the glory of God. And on the other hand, you have the kingdom of the world, which has the glory of Satan. When the devil, Satan, came to tempt Jesus, this is what the Bible says. Then the devil, taking him, Jesus, up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in that moment of time. And the devil said to him, "'All this authority I will give to you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours.'" And Jesus answered him and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. So you see, this world has a fallen glory that belongs to Satan. It belongs so fully to him, he could even offer it to give it away to others. You can only give what belongs to you. But now I want you to see this unspoken dialogue that happens between Jesus and the devil. Right after Jesus comes out of the temptation from the devil, from the desert, right after he comes out, immediately Jesus begins his ministry. And the way that Jesus began his ministry is he went around all the towns in the region of Galilee, every single town, and to every single town he preached the same message. This is the message. Repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God. The devil came to Jesus and he said, hey Jesus, I'll give you my glory. And Jesus said, I'm not interested in your glory. But devil, this is what is going to happen. Right now, right after this, on earth, in your face, I'm going to establish the kingdom of God, which will have my Father's glory. In the world, in your fallen glory, you abuse men. The Bible says that the devil's ministry is to steal, kill, and destroy But he says, here in my Father's kingdom, I will restore everything that you came to abuse, I will restore in men, And I will restore it to abundance. And I will do it right now and there is nothing you can do. And when Jesus was on earth, Jesus was the only life, the only human life that lived and demonstrated the kingdom of God, the power of God in the kingdom of God. And it was a force so strong and authority so powerful that it completely disregarded the devil's glory and authority. What the devil was so proud of became cheapened and became worthless in the kingdom of God. And the devil hated Jesus, the devil and all his minions, all the little devils, looked at Jesus and they hated it, but they could not do anything to him. So then they worked through the hearts of the Pharisees and all those evil men to falsely accuse Jesus, crucify him on the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, all the devils in the world had a party. They went, hurrah, yes! The only life that manifested the glory of God is now dead. The world is ours once again. And then, while they were still parting and having a good time, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and they went, oi, oh oh And then they saw Jesus rise. And then Jesus ascended, poured out the Holy Spirit. And then there was this very defining moment when Peter, you see, Peter... Used to be under the thumb of the devil. The devil had him so fully under his thumb he could speak to Jesus through Peter. Peter tried to convince Jesus not to go to the cross, and Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan. So Satan spoke to Peter. So then Peter, this weakling that the devil used to speak to Jesus, Peter, this Peter, walked and saw the beggar, and he said to the beggar, Silver and gold, I have none. But what I give you, I give you the name of Jesus Christ. And the man jumped up to his feet. And in that moment, there was a split second of silence. It's like a football game that just ended. And then all of heaven, all the angels in heaven went, yeah! And all the devils on earth went, no! Because in that defining moment, it became clear to the whole world, heaven, earth, man and devil alike, that the ministry and the life of Jesus continues to live through believers like you and me. This is the very message that the devil is so scared, so scared that the church will hear. The devil tries, first of all, to stop the gospel from going out so that we will not be saved. But if he cannot stop a man from getting saved, he will stop a man for living the ministry of Jesus. He will tell the man, just die, just die. All the time, just die. As you die more, you'll have more character of God, which is true, which is true. So as we die to ourselves, we have more of the character of God, we have more presence, and we have more fellowship with God, and it's wonderful. But to what end? After death comes resurrection. The devil hates believers, but he's not scared of believers that only die in this world. But he is terrified, absolutely petrified, of believers who not only know how to die unto Christ, but know how to live unto Christ and display the very ministry of Jesus to the world. One time, 16 months ago, there was a lady who came to me and she was very sick. And she asked me to pray for her. She had been to many doctors, tried many medications for many years and nothing had worked. And she said, you are Christian. Please pray for me. So I said, okay. So I prayed for her. Nothing happened. She went away disappointed and after she left, I cried. And I said to God, God, she is tortured. This woman is tortured. 12 months later, She came back and she asked me again, will you pray for me? So this is four months ago. And I went to God and I said to God, very honestly, I said, God, I have presence. I know you are with me. When I pray for people, they encounter you. They have an encounter with the presence of God. So I believe I have the ministry of presence, but somehow, God, I don't have the ministry of power. How? How do I translate presence to power? And that is when God taught me about character, presence, and power. He says, when you ask for more of me, when you ask for more of my presence, the first thing I did was deal with your character because I'm a holy God. A holy God, I need you to be more holy so that I can abide with you more. I can fellowship with you more. So the key to translate character to presence is holiness. But the key to translate presence to power is faith. You see, in the Bible... When Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus, he said to Martha these words, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So the key to seeing the glory of God is to believe, is to have faith. When Jesus was in Nazareth, he was amazed at how little miracles he could do. When Jesus was in Nazareth, in that very moment, they had all the character of God. They had all the presence of God. In fact, The only presence of God was right there with them. They had maximum character, maximum presence, but yet no power because they had no faith. And I said to God, I said, God, she's coming to me to ask me to pray for her and it didn't work last time. Do I have enough faith to pray for her? And God said to me, do you believe that you are saved? If you die today, you'll be in heaven. Do you believe that when Jesus died on the cross, your sins were washed away on his account? And I said, yes, Lord, I believe in salvation with all my heart. And he said, there, even there is a mustard seed of faith. That takes faith. To believe in salvation takes faith. From the moment that you believe in Jesus, you entered the kingdom of God. The same faith that you used to enter the kingdom of God, I can use to build the kingdom of God. That lady came back and she was so frail at that point. She could not walk into the room. She needed somebody to assist her into the room. She was so weak in her body and her mind, she could not even speak a single sentence. Imagine how weak you have to be to not even speak a single sentence. And I looked at her and I said, in faith, I see you walking out of this door, you walk by yourself with Jesus by your side and you're completely healed. You're strong. I said, I can see that. Can you see that? And she looked at me and she nodded her head. And so we prayed, And 20 minutes later, she was completely healed. She was completely healed and she walked out. Give God the glory. Yes. She was completely healed and she walked out of that room so fast, the guy who assisted her in had to get her belongings and run after her. (laughs) Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. If Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forevermore, then the way he does ministry has never changed. He did ministry supernaturally in the past, he does ministry supernaturally today, and he does ministry supernaturally forevermore. He never changes. I know we are not against healing signs and wonders in this church, and we rejoice when we see it. But what I want to stir in us is that it's not optional. It is the very power of God to save this dying world. It was the primary ministry of Jesus, If someone is sick and they come up, and if they are not healed, we don't just pat them on the back and say go. We go to God and say, God, are we not your people? Show the world that we are your people. We hold the word up to God and we believe in it. We teach about character. We fast and we pray for the presence of God. In the same way, we need to teach about the power for signs and wonders and miracles, and we need to fast and pray for it. If we miss out on this, we miss out on the very aspect of Jesus that was used to save the world. It's not about dramatics. It's not about dramatics. It's about the fact that we need Jesus. And in these last days, as the harvest grows more, as the darkness grows darker, Even more so, we need more of Jesus, not less. We can't pick and choose which aspect of Jesus we want. We cannot say, Jesus, I only want your character, but I don't want the power. It's it's not, it's a package deal. It's him, he's the whole person. Where he is, there will naturally be glory. We cannot choose. When Jesus said to Martha, did I not say to you that if you, you Martha, would believe, you, Martha, would see the glory of God? He didn't say, hey Martha, if I, Jesus, would believe, you, Martha, will see the glory of God. He said, no, Martha, Martha, you, if you, Martha, would believe, you, Martha, would see the glory of God. In, Martha is not known as a woman of great faith. In the Bible, Martha does too much and she talks too much. But there, at that point, faith comes from hearing the word of God. As Jesus said to her these very words, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Something must have stirred in Martha and she had a little bit of faith and it was by her faith that her brother Lazarus was raised from the dead. In Mark chapter 9, worship team you can come back on please. Mark chapter 9, there's an account of a man who had a son who was demon-possessed. And that man had many bad experiences with prayer. He had tried many people to pray for his son to no avail. Even before he came to Jesus, his, Jesus' own disciples had been praying for the boy to no avail. But he came to Jesus and he said, if you are able, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said these words to him, if you are able, anything is possible to one who believes. And then this man immediately exclaimed these words, listen, I believe, help me, my overcome my unbelief, help my unbelief. So here there is a man who as Jesus speaks, there is belief, but there is also unbelief. He has past experiences that he struggles with, but he believes as well. He believes that Jesus can do it. He wants and he's struggling to believe that Jesus can do it. He's not a mountain of faith. He is but a master seed of faith. But even that master seed of faith was enough, enough, enough for Jesus to do what he needed to do. Today, as you come, the devil will say to you, look at your past. Look at your unbelief. But Jesus will say, look at your belief. Do you believe that you are saved? Do you believe that my blood washes your sins? If you do believe that, that is the faith. The same faith that comes into the kingdom of God is the same faith that builds the kingdom of God. Listen to me. The world is built by the glory of man, the intellect and the reasoning of man. The brighter the mind of man, the more the reasoning of man, the greater the cities that are built in this world. But the kingdom of God is built by faith. The more there is faith, the greater the kingdom of God is built and manifested in the person's life. Church, stand with me this morning. In a few moments, in a few minutes, we're going to give an invitation for people who need help. But right now, I want to give an invitation if you are here this morning and you do not live in the Kingdom of God. There is only one way to come into the Kingdom of God. It's not a philosophy, it's not a truth, it's not a therapy, it's not a medication. The only way to come into the Kingdom of God is through a relationship with Jesus. He is the way, He is the only way to come into the Kingdom of God. If you are here and you are under the devil's thumb, and you say, today I need Jesus in my life. I've never accepted Jesus before, but here right now, here today then, I want to say that I believe that when Jesus died on the cross, His blood and His life washed away my sins, the price of my sins. And today, I too can live in the Kingdom of God. Is that is you and you want to receive Jesus for the first time in your life? Raise your hand. Is there anybody who wants to believe Jesus for the first time today? I can't see, sorry. Yes, one hand. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yes, I see front right in front of me. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Two hands. Anyone else? Anyone else? Let's pray a prayer with these two friends and then we'll continue to do ministry. Dear Jesus, I believe that when you died on the cross, your blood and your life paid the price for my sins. That today, I'm right with you. And today, I hold your hand, Jesus. And I walk into the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Give God a praise. Church, every one of us, every one of us were born into the natural world. And every one of us have been under the thumb of the devil. His ministry is to steal, kill and destroy. And every one of us have lost things to the devil. He has stolen, killed, and destroyed things in our lives. I am sick of being under the thumb of the devil. I'm sick of him affecting my family, affecting my life. I don't want to live under the thumb of the devil. I don't want my family to live under the thumb of the devil. I don't want my children to live under the thumb of the devil. I don't want my children's children to live under the thumb of the devil. I don't want this whole world to live under the thumb of the devil. But who can save me? The Bible says that in my day of trouble, which all of us will have, I lift my eyes to the hue, and my help, my help, my only help comes from the God, the Creator of heaven. Men cannot save me. Money cannot save me. Only Jesus can save me. That is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not established when we die. The kingdom of God was established and revealed by Jesus 2,000 years ago. It is time to stand up and kick the devil kick the devil out of our families kick the devil out of our lives kick the devil out of my body kick the devil out of our businesses and our relationships and everything that belongs to us in Jesus name so this is the altar call this morning if you are under the thumb of the devil if you are sick and you want healing to the front and we will pray with you if you are oppressed by the devil you have depression and anxiety and bad thoughts in your head come to the front and we will pray for you if you have a hold of the devil over your character you've got an anger issue an addiction you've got something you cannot break by yourself come to the front and we will show the whole world that all chains can be broken in jesus name so let's worship god and if you want ministry come come to the front now Power. sisters in China need you. We need you, Lord. Only you can lift your people from the thumb of the devil. Lord, look at your people who are asking for help this morning. Every one of these lives, God, are under the thumb of the devil. But Lord, this morning I pray that you will stretch out your mighty hand to save. You will stretch out your mighty hand to heal. You will stretch out your mighty hand to to break the chains of the devil right now in this place lord we declare the name of jesus we declare the ministry of jesus we believe in the name of jesus and we pray your people to the world we love that you deal with our character we love your presence lord we love you so much but lord now raise up faith by your spoken word so that you can move mightily and the world will see the mighty hand of god through the name of jesus and we pray this in jesus name amen